This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at. And today is the my favorite day uh, of the year uh, for EM Weekly. Uh, first of all, it's the day before Thanksgiving. So everybody, I hope you all have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday. But, but it is the best. I, I am as giddy as a schoolgirl. I am as excited as a bride in her wedding day. I'm as excited as the guy getting ready to play the Super Bowl. I am so freaking Okay, all right. Take it easy, buddy. Take it easy. Slow it down. Okay. Dan, you know what today is? <laughs> What's today, buddy? Today is the top 10 books that belong in an emergency manager's bookshelf. And I have a stack of books here to talk about. What about you? Well, I'm looking forward to to hearing, to seeing what you, you got on your stack of books. I tell you, one for me this year it was kind of difficult, so I actually have a couple bonus ones on top of the ten that I would suggest putting on, putting on the uh, the the list. Um, I do have some books here with me in my office. I have the rest of them at home, but um, I have. I mean, this was a hard year for me. I mean, this has been a year of reading, and you know, getting when you're when you're when you're stuck, everybody's stuck at home, right? This should have been, we should have done this last year where everybody's stuck at home and you give them all these books to read. But these, these are, this was a hard year for me because of, um, uh, I paired a bunch of books together that would go good together with other. So if like you read one, one book, if you read the next book, then it goes together, right? So I got excited about it too. I'm not excited as a school girl or anything, but. <laughs> Did you pair it like a bottle of wine with a good, you know, you know, that's, that's something you could do too. I don't drink wine, but if I did, I, I guess you would. <laughs> now, what about, you know, before we start talking about the books on our bookshelf, the books that we were recommending, and also we will bring in the, the people's vote as well later on. Uh, but I have, we have a special guest and uh, she's a good friend. Uh, she's been around, you know, with, with Ian Weekly uh, before um, with talk about communication and stuff. But however, she has written her first book as a children's book, Soraya Sutherland. Welcome to Ian Weekly. Thank you. So first of all, congratulations on your book. I know it's, uh, they're always a, uh, it's a labor of love at sometimes, or maybe, maybe more, <laughs> but, uh, let's talk about your book and, and how you got to where you're at and, and whatnot. So what's the name of your book? So it's, it's a book about safety and I wrote it because emergencies can be very scary for children, especially talking about them. And actually they can be scary for adults even as well. And so when I wrote the book, I sat down to really provide a resource and a guide to help parents and children kind of navigate those conversations with language and concepts that they easily understand. And so actually a lot of these topics and questions and conversations that are in the book are questions my kids came home from school with and sat down and asked me and, you know, thinking forward, how would I talk to children? How did I, you know, I didn't have, I have the background, right, to be able to address it appropriately, but a lot of parents don't. And so I wish I had had almost thought about those conversations before they had come home and dropped their backpacks and said, mommy, mommy, what do I do if this happens at school? And you're right there, you know, trying to figure out, coming up with those words to be able to speak to them in a way that's positive and encouraging um, 
to help them get those resources that they need. So that was really the aim behind the book. And I just remember talking to so many parents about, you know, they're like, can you write a guide on like telling us what to do? What, you know, even parents are like, I'm not, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So that was really the aim behind the book. And it asks, I, the best thing about this book is it really, it asks the hard conversations and it asks the hard questions that we kind of shy away from, you know, we don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable and we address it head on. We ask the hard questions and it's a book that kids and parents can read together to have those conversations. So the book is meant to really to be read with a parent and to have, you know, the question is asked and then it's, it asks like, well, can you think of some other things that might happen in your area or your neighborhood that might, you know, other disasters that might affect you? So it's really a conversation starter. And then in the back of the book, it actually, there's like an action plan. So I can kind of show you and I'll read through it just for those who can't see, but it gives, um, I don't know if you guys can see this. Yeah, you can see it. It's awesome. Yeah. It talks about like tools you need, who can help the helpers, two numbers I can call outside meeting place, emergencies where I live. So these are all things that are important for us to kind of put together down on paper and have those conversations about ahead of time before something happens. So it's really very, um, it's definitely something that, you know, it's between a five and 10 year old would really be able to understand. And it talks again, like I said, it, it talks about the things that sometimes we're just uncomfortable talking about. So your background, though, um, is in the K through twelve space, right? Is that's kind of like where you started with emergency management? Um, yeah. So I've worked in schools. So I do a lot of comprehensive safe school planning for schools in California. We um, have a nonprofit organization that does safe school planning with the California Department of Education. Um, so I have a lot of background in just in the school context, context um, setting. Um, but I remember working in, you know, even just with my own children and, and talking with them, I have three and talking with them about these things. It's really been, it's been fascinating because we as adults sometimes over assume a lot, mm. right? They'll ask us something and we're like, oh no, no, we know exactly what it is that you're asking us. And what I found was taking a step back and asking them the question. So mommy, what about, you know, they, my kids are fascinated with tsunamis. I mean, we live by the water, so might be why, but that's like their number one disaster that they want to talk about all the time. So instead of me saying, this is what you're supposed to do, I ask them, what do you think we're supposed to do? What do you think you should do? And then we start that. What is it? What is what do you think a tsunami is um, instead of us just saying, oh, this is what it is. So it really has been um, it's in like I've learned a lot, too. My kids are constantly teaching me you know, certain things. Cause we, you know, we're emergency managers, right? We're in the space. We almost know too much for our good sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, taking a step back and looking at through a lens of someone who doesn't have that expertise, what are they thinking about, right? How are they envisioning that topic, that disaster? What does that mean to them? And then having that reiterated to us and be able to then put it into context of a way that they might understand it. So let me ask a question with the book. How is it that you, well, maybe just ask you in general, your suggestion on how do we broach the subject with our kids on uh, preparing for or planning for uh, disaster and how they could be affected by that? 
So the first thing I would say, we and we've talked about this a lot, is just having that conversation. So I think I like something called family meetings. And so you can make them fun. You don't have to have them be all serious, but find an item, right? Get everybody together and just, you know, away from it. It could be at a table. It can be in your living room and, you know, just sit down and say, Hey, listen, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about, you know, what we would do. What are types of emergencies and disasters that or emergencies that are in our area? Can we think of any? Um, and then have that conversation with your kids, have them give ideas. The big thing with kids, at least with, in my experience has been you, we want to give them the, the information and we want to then imp- make them feel empowered that they have somewhat of control over those situations, right? So I think that's really important is not to scare children. It's to say, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, earthquakes happen. Um, and sometimes they happen when we ne- we least think about them and they can be really scary. And I think that's also really important to acknowledge the fact and acknowledge their feelings about these things. Acknowledge that, yeah, you're right. These things are really scary. And sometimes we just don't know that they, that when they're going to happen, but we can, there's things that we can do. This is what we can do about them, right? We can have a plan. So what do you think our plan should be? Um, you know, how can we think about two ways to get out of the, you know, our living room? Okay, great. That's a really good idea. How would we do that? What, do you, what are some tools, you know, that we have at the house? What do you think we might need to be able to do that? Um, then you're even just talking about, you know, the big thing we see all the time are house fires. So understanding like, well, what do we need to help protect ourselves from those types of situations? But also what are things that we can do at home that will, like the big word we use is mitigate. Um, or, but with kids, that's a word they don't understand. So we say, how can we prevent these things from happening, right? So how can we prevent them or how do we get warning? right? How would a warning happen? So why are smoke detectors important? Do you guys know where they are? Let's go push the button. Kids love that, right? (laughs) This is the time you can do it. But it's important because you don't want to be figuring, finding out you don't have working um, smoke detectors in your house during a house fire, number one. Um, Number two, it's important for them to be able to hear it and be part of the process, but include them in the process because now not only, you know, it's like they say, you give them the resource and skills and then you show them what to do with it, right? So now if you've included them in that process of developing a plan or coming up with, you know, putting an emergency kit together or whatever it may be, they now feel that they have a little bit of control over a situation that can sometimes be very scary. And disasters by nature are very abstract, right? We don't know when they're going to happen. We don't know how they're going to affect us. There's so many variables and we include them in the conversation to help them feel like they're part of that process and they have control over something that can be uncontrollable. You know, I think I think starting at, at the schools makes a lot of sense to me as well because because if you do this and 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 using your book for instance um, at the school would be great because then they're going to bring this stuff home to, to their parents. Um, we've seen this happen uh, time and time again. It works really well um, as far as like almost educating um, up to the to the parent. You know, um, with the drop cover and hold program that we have with the grid shakeout. Um, I remember my, my son, uh, when he was 10 or 11, uh, was about 11 years old, uh, we had a pretty significant earthquake. Uh, it was like a 5.8 or something like that. Um, and I remember him grabbing my daughter, who was a toddler, pulled her under the, 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 the coffee table in the center of our living room and ended the drop cover and hold on. You know, and so it wasn't even, he didn't even think about it. It just was an action that he did because of what he learned in school, you know. 
Um, now that he's 18, I don't know if you do that now, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when he was little, it, it worked for him. Right. Uh, so, so doing this, I think is, is, is a brilliant step in getting people prepared. You know, when I was in, um, in New York last week, uh, those of you guys watched it, uh, Craig Fugate specifically stated that if we want to get, uh, the cultural preparedness to occur, we have to start with the youth. And I think this is a, is a great step forward. So, uh, congratulations on that. Dan, I know you had a question. Well, it was more of a, it was more of a comment, um, and because it made a very good point because we ultimately we, we try you know, sometimes we think on a bigger scale that we need to we think about disaster right well it very it could be a very localized in your home that it could be an emergency situation that turns into a disaster for a family but like a fire but what's important is doing the the, the training and the, the drilling with your kids because i mean just in my home specifically there's only one way that that my kids could on their own go outside because all of my locks are high so in the middle of the night, if I can't get to them, uh, knowing that they can't go that way because they can't open the door. Right. So these, you know, I mean, my sliding doors in my house, I have a lock on the top that I push. You know, so I could reach it, but my kids can't get to that. You know, so there's all you got to practice that. And and I think that's a that's a great way to start is by just a simple home evacuation drill. You know, wh where are you going to go in the middle of the night if I can't get to you because there's a fire uh, blocking me from you? Where are you going to go? How are you going to get there? And where are you going to stay until I get to you? You know, that type of stuff. So I think it's a great, just sometimes we think bigger than we need to. We need to think more in our home. Absolutely. And in the book, we talk about a two minute drill and you can do it in evacuation drill and we make it fun. We all, we find, get on mom, you know, mommy's phone. We set a timer for two minutes and I tell my kids, let, we're going to go get what we think we need right for an emergency and we're going to leave the house and we're going to go to our meeting place so we set the timer and i mean it's actually i mean the first couple times you do it it's kind of funny because right it's just chaos right <laughs> kids are running everywhere and by the time you get outside you're like this is what you thought was important to take with us but it's important to practice it because like todd like you were saying in schools they teach drop cover and hold they're teaching this stuff in schools now we as parents are like, you know, we don't need to shy away from this stuff because we need to be able to, they're de teaching it in schools. Let's start reinforcing this stuff at home and having that conversation. We don't need to be shying away from it. It's really important. You know, Daniel, to your point about the locks, we have the same situation. And when my oldest was really young, I we would talk about what would you do? Because she couldn't reach it. So I taught her to climb up on a chair to mm. pull pull the lever, you know, the lever. Now, I mean, obviously I'm not telling a four-year-old to do this, but as she got a little older, you know, and felt more confident in, you know, being able to do it, that's what I taught her to do. And we talked about it. And the other important piece is find a meeting place outside your home, because if you are not able to physically get to your children and you can get out of the house, if they know where to go, then you all meet at that location, right? The last thing you want to be doing is having not knowing where your children are or not knowing where your loved ones are and trying, you don't want to go back into the house. So we really teach that. And then lastly, the last thing I'll say here, um, teaching kids not to hide from firefighters. And it's something that we consistently see children get scared. They look scary, right? In a house fire, they look very scary with their helmets. And they, sometimes they have their big jackets and oxygen and you know, sometimes they're carrying an ax and children can get really scared and they hide. And so one thing about this is take your kids to a fire station. Now that things are reopening, take them to a fire station and ask firefighters to put on all their gear. Hey, listen, I just, do you think you could just put on your gear? I just want my kids to be able to see what you look like, that you're a normal person and that you're here to help them. And it's instilling that trust, right? We talk about 
helpers in our community, who are helpers in our community, and that conversation with your kids. And really, throughout the book, what we don't really, you don't realize it till you kind of get to the end, but we're helping develop situational awareness with our children. And this is a lifelong skill that when we can teach them at the young age, that they can take with them throughout the rest of their life. And this is a one of those skills I feel like are we are desperately in lack, we are lacking with all the different distractions that are now kind of taking over in our society. Hey, Buddy Rice has a really good question. He goes, does her book come in a presentation type media Fire prevention teachers would use it as a resource. I'm. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I could put something together. <laughs> <laughs> might be worth the time. I might. This might be something that you you know. It's a good. Hey, buddy. Uh, she'll send you twenty uh, percent of all royalties to, for that idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that's a really good idea. I know that there's some local fire departments have ordered it for like their tours to give out at events and things like that. Um, but I hadn't thought about that. So thank you for that. I'll think I'll kind of keep that on the burner. So Sarah, how can people find your book? So you can find it on a kid's book about, so a kid's company about writes books, lots of different books, and they partner with experts in the field to write topics on everything from anxiety to depression to even suicide. And so they partnered with, they had reached out to me to do this book about safety and you can buy it through a kid's book about website. And they do that to keep the integrity of the authors and um, the content that they publish. So you can get it online um, through a kid's book about. And we'll make sure that we put that link um, in our show notes as well. So if you're driving down the road or your pencil's not sharp, don't threat, you can just click the button. Um, on that. Hey, we got to take a quick break. We come back. Let's talk about the best books that we should have on our bookshelf. So Dan, I know you're back there listening. You know, um, remember when we took a look at this thing called Voltron? Yeah. 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 What do you, what do you think of Voltron? You know, you know, um, when we saw the presentation, I thought it was amazing. The, the interaction you could have in the, in the, uh, incorporation of gameplay, two exercises. Um, and it, I think it, once it hits the market and people actually start utilizing it, I think it's going to be outstanding for what it can do for the, um, the preparedness and, and testing an organization's readiness. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a game changer. I think, you know, in a year or two, everybody's going to be using Voltron when they go to their exercises and training. And you can find more information about Voltron with our friends over at Disaster Tech. If you go to DisasterTech.com, uh, look on there and you can go contact us and ask a question and see if you can get yourself a free demo of what Voltron is and how it can improve your training and exercise program. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, we need to do more training exercise and like spending all the time writing all the measles and doing all the all that planning is, is very time consuming and costs money. This is going to save you money and time and it will save lives. So remember, DisasterTech.com for all your training and needs. So, Dan. Yes, sir. Let's bring Sri back into the game here. All right. So top 10 books on an emergency manager's bookshelf. And then I, I'm going to go first because it's my prerogative. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to go first. And so the first book that's on my list right now, um, and we're because we're talking about readiness, right? And using Soraya's book specifically for children. Um, Jeff Sledgemite uh, wrote a book called uh, Rethinking Readiness. I'll put it right back here and here so I can remember guy I can, can take a look at it. Rethinking Readiness right there uh, by Jeff. It's a great book on the idea of what is readiness, what is preparedness. 
how do we really get to the culture of preparedness? And I highly recommend that book um, for the top 10 books that belong on an emergency manager's bookshelf. And should I put a caveat on there? Not just put them on your bookshelf, but read them as well. So Soraya, you go next. Okay. The Unthinkable. I love this book by Amanda Ripley. Um, as you can tell, I, I didn't like it very much because I only tabbed and wrote all over it. Um, this is a phenomenal book. Um, so I have it here. If any, I mean, absolutely read it. It is, it's powerful. It's incredible. It talks about human behavior and the psychology behind why we do what. Um, it's fascinated, it, fascinating and it uses case studies um, from all these types of events that have and disasters that have happened um, from the past 100 years. Um, and it's just, it's phenomenal. Um, I'm a public communicator, so love it. I love all of the um, psychology behind the human brain and how it works and how we process information. So I absolutely recommend it. It's it's phenomenal. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's life case studies. It's the stuff that we need as emergency managers, especially if we're talking about public alert morning, this talks about the why, right? Why isn't it working um, and what we can do to fix it? The more information we have behind how our brains process that trauma and information is so important. So highly recommend it. The Unthinkable Amanda Ripley. It is a great book. Great book. I got the opportunity to see her speak uh, twice um, um, on that particular, uh, on that book and what she did and, and the research and stuff that goes into it. So yeah, I recommend it. Dan, what do you got? Well, I want to, I want to second hers. I have it as well. It's not as marked up as hers is. It's got some stuff in some marks in there, but, uh, I wanted to, to bring it, bring it to the attention that in this book, um, it kind of would go secondary with, uh, with your book, because it talks about the little girl who saved everybody from the tsunami. Yeah. In school about what to look for. Yes. In tsunami. So I think this would be perfect to pair that story with uh, some of your book. But one of the, one of the books that I have on my list is called Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Uh, and it is a, it is not, is not an emergency management book. It is, it is designed uh, for an individual to make themselves indispensable. And as emergency managers, we are indispensable. We don't always make ourselves that. We don't always um, let the other let others see how indispensable we are, how important it, the, our work is, and why it's important that we're around. So the book Lynchpin by Seth Godin talks about how to make yourself indispensable, how to put yourself out ahead of the rest, and make yourself noticeable so people notice and see how much it is that you do, why you do it, why it's important, and how if you were to leave, things would fall apart. That's great. That's a that's a that's a great book too. Um, you know, now my next book is Anti Fragile uh, by Taleb, and um, I have marks in here too. That's my book. That's that's my fancy bookmark right there because uh, I have that save that page saved. Yep. And so uh, Anti Fragile. Uh, if you guys have heard my my talk about anti fragility, it's really changed the way I, I really look at what resiliency can be um, in the community. Uh, Randy Collins recommended this book to me. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Collins uh, recommended this book to me. Uh, Randy's a good friend of mine. Uh, it's a kind of inside joke. But anyway, um, he recommended this book to me. Uh, I read it. It's changed the way um, I see things in general. Um, Anti-Fragile uh, by uh, Taleb. So, Sarai, you're next. Okay. So, keeping in line with psychology, so to speak, um, Body Keeps the Score by Blessel Vanderkolk, I think is how I'm saying it right. Um, and it studies, it, it's talking about how trauma affects the human body and how we process it and how it comes out in different 
um, ways and facets throughout our entire life and how we make decisions. What I think is really interesting is it starts with the Vietnam vets um, and what happened in Vietnam and studying kind of their behaviors and what was triggering and experiences that they had and how that, you know, essentially started what was the first science of PTSD that we, is what we call it now and how that's morphed into all of this behavioral science behind human behavior. So I, I recommend it. I just kind of started it. It's not as tabbed up yet. I only have, I've only got through, it looks like the first like 50 pages. So definitely <laughs> recommend it. And he's actually speaking at UCLA next week. And you Ooh. can do, um, it's a live webinar you can register for. So if anybody's interested. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> I can find the link. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll share that. We'll share that out with everybody. Uh, on, the, on my list, um, uh, it's the second by um, Seth Godin, is called This is Marketing. Uh, I've been on a, on a kick this year, and I, and I think it's, it's a direction that I'm going to uh, go for the rest of my career, is on the essential, uh, how essential it is for an emergency manager to market not only themselves, but what it is that we do. We need to be marketing what we do, how we do it, why it's important, how other people can get involved. And uh, I feel like it's a lot of we keep it to ourselves. A lot of emergency managers uh, kind of sit in their office. They don't engage the community. And I think we need to put ourselves out there more. And we, so this is marketing by Seth Godin. Talks about the importance of getting in front of people, how to get in front of people, and the best ways to go about um, getting your message heard. Yeah, uh, producer Brian over there is uh, jumping up and down and is in the, in the production booth and he's excited about it because he always talks about the idea of what we need to be selling. He says that Daniel Pink's book um, as well, everybody, what's the name of the book again, Brian? Everyone sells? No, uh, Daniel Pink's book. Um, um, it's, it's, he's over there talking to me in my ear. So it's uh, um, Everyone Sells or something like that along those lines. That's his book is recommended on that side. But on my end, I have warnings. And it, it talks about the idea that uh, we go into telling people, hey, this disaster is going to be coming. Uh, you, you know, why people don't listen to what we're talking about, right? Um, and, and it kind of goes into, there's another book that I'm going to recommend next that kind of goes hand in hand together. But Warnings, um, I think, is a, is a book here that you guys should, should really take a look at. And the other side is, is Finding Cassandra's Stop the Catastrophe by Richard A. Clark and R.P. Eddy. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, I think sometimes we are that Cassandra running around saying, hey, this could potentially happen. And, you know, a good example of this is COVID, right? How many emergency managers and public health people talked about the idea of pandemic flu and no one wanted to listen to us and now we're here. And uh, so warnings, that's, uh, that's the book I recommend. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. You're <laughs> oh, now I'm supposed to go? Um, Bad so <laughs> All right. The next one is Crucial Conversations. This is a non-emergency management book. But what I think is fant fantastic is it taught, especially for us emergency managers, we need to figure out how to communicate effectively to our leadership, to, especially when stakes are high. And how do we do that in a way that allows for us to get our message across and be effective? Um, you know, Daniel, to your point, we are we have to make ourselves indispensable right we have to figure out what that that i guess that i'm trying to think uh the right word for it but that 
battle rhythm of what we do and and finding that importance. So I love this book. It's not as tabbed as my others, but a few, but I think it's fantastic because it talks about, it does a lot of self-assessment. So there's a lot of quizzes and things within the book that you can take to figure out kind of your style. And then it talks about the research and the case studies on, it's very business focused, but I think there's a lot of applicability from the business side in what, especially for what we do, because essentially we are trying to quote unquote, sell what we do to get leadership, to buy into it, to take those preparedness and mitigation actions. All right, Danny. So mine, the, the next one on mine is called the five dysfunctions of a team. Hmm. Uh, it is by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, it is, um, Patrick Lantioni, his books, he's got a number of books, but his books, he writes on a, on a topic and he incorporates it into a story, which makes it very entertaining. But one of the, why I put this on the list is because it goes into um, not necessarily teamwork, but more the importance of conflict and challenging uh, the status quo. Uh, not It goes against everything that we teach as emergency managers is that this is the way we've always done it. So that's the way we should continue doing it, <laughs> that we can push back. And it, it goes to pushing back on leadership. Um, a lot of emergency managers, I feel, uh, are they they're they're and for lack of a better term in my head right now, gun shy when it comes to challenging leadership and, mm. and or even engaging and talking to their leadership, uh, when they, especially depending on what level of government they work in or level of an organization that they they fall into, uh, that they feel inadequate when it comes to talking to those that are higher up. And I, this book gives you an idea on how to push back on. On certain things, how to engage in in uh, uh, in uh, in conflict in a way that's not like uh, argumentative and it's not negative. It's a conflict. It's conflict that raises argument, but also brings conversation and brings change. And uh, that's that's why I put that on my list. All right. So now we're coming into uh, my next book here, and kind of goes along with warnings. It's the death of the expertise or death of the expert here. And you can see, again, mine's tabbed up. So uh, Soraya and I kind of read the same way. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a time now that that everything is questioned. We don't we don't believe the experts. Um, I did a little talk about this on business continuity today, yesterday uh, on, on what that means and, and, you know, why we don't believe in experts. Sometimes I think it's our own fault because we step out of our lane a little bit. And just because we know a little bit about something, we say we're an expert, but we're not. And it kind of like discredits some of the stuff that's going on. So the death of experts and, and why it occurs, um, I think it's a higher, especially those of us that are in this business that, you know, we're experts and, and why people don't want to listen to what we have to say. And uh, it gets deep into that. So, All right. Hi. The next book is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I think, is that my saying that right? Yes. Um, I, I just started it. He, I saw him speak and he did a really informative um, presentation on uh, communications. And so this is one of the books. Uh, he talks a lot about Aristotle and how Aristotle was the first of men. He was actually the first to talk about the art of persuasion and how applicable it is to what we do um, in every aspect. So um, it's actually interestingly enough he's got a nobel prize in economics and yeah. i'm learning more and more that our our profession in our world is so intricately tied to so many other fields um and it's it's so fascinating so it's going to be a long book and i guarantee you it's going to look like the other ones that i have <laughs> with lots of highlighters and tabs so 
definitely recommend that one. All right, Dan. I'll tell you what, uh, on that on that book, because I've read that book, and um, I actually have it in hard copy and on Audible, and it will it will challenge your way of thinking, and it will make you want to change the way you think about certain things, uh, that book. So uh, I, I'm, uh, I enjoy, after you finish reading it, I, I'd like to have a conversation with you about it. The next one I have on my list um, uh, is called uh, Infinite Game by um, Simon Sinek. Great book. It, it's, uh, it talks about game theory. And how everything, and it, it ultimately it's written about uh, business and how we how we go about business and leadership. But the one of the reasons why I put this on here is, and I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, but uh, the the concept behind game theory is that we play, we're constantly in, in either a finite or an infinite game. And the way we go about our lives and our career and, and the way we do things, we need to rethink uh, how we approach what we do. Uh, because there are no winners in life, right? There are no, you know, it's a, it, it, life is infinite. My life, my life though is finite. Um, so how we do things and how we and wanted to leave an infinite um, uh, a legacy in what it is, what we do. And so when we go about and how I approach it, emergency management is a disaster itself is finite. It, it has an ending. It has a beginning and ending. Uh, but uh, disaster management in, in, in general, it's going to be infinite, right? There's always going to be another disaster that we're going to have to plan for, respond to, and recover from. And uh, the way we do that is by uh, changing the way we do things. The, the way we've done things in the past, we need to change that. Uh, and one of the one, and this is in kind of addition to uh, reading this book and kind of where I'm going with some of my research, is the difference in in, in the application of uh, common practice versus uh, best practice because mm -hmm. those two things are not interchangeable. And I feel like there's a lot of people say, well, that's best practice, but it's not best practice. It's common practice. A lot of people do it. That doesn't make it best practice. So uh, we need to change the way we do things so that the common practice becomes best practice. And uh, that's, that's why I put that on, on my list. All right. So it's talking about ec economics and economists. Um, so Franz, the economy, who uh, was one of my grad students, and um, she uh, actually, you know, does some work here with Ian Weekly as well now, recommended this book, Essentialism. And uh, as you can see, again, all tabbed out. But what it does is it, it goes through the idea of decision-making and, and, like, why you need to, like, get down to the core essentials of what you're doing. Um, and it's not like one of these books that's, like, you know, about cleaning out your closet, right? It's it's more along the lines of cleaning out your brain and being able to say no to things. As I think sometimes as uh, emergency managers, um, you know, we tend to say yes. And the next thing you know, our plates are full of stuff that really isn't within our wheelhouse. Uh, and we start doing other things outside of our core mission. So Essentialism by uh, Greg McEwen. So that's, a, that's my recommendation. All right. So the other one I would recommend, it's called The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins. And it's great for emergency managers that are moving from different disciplines in emergency management or just different positions. And it talks about how the first 90 days are so critical to your success or failure in an organization. And the things that you need to recognize and identify about yourself and your styles sometimes aren't transferable from organization to organization. And so what might have worked really well at one organization and you excelled in may not necessarily work. So it's talking about adaptability, understanding how important that first 90 days is, establishing you know your rhythm, your 
um, process um, in moving your agenda or vision forward and how to do that successfully. I don't have a physical presentation because I have a book because I have it on audiobook, but it's fascinating. Um, it's your phone. Right? It's, not, it's actually written down all over my notes. Um, so, um, but no, it's, it's, I would recommend it. Anybody, any emergency manager, actually anybody going from uh, into, even to a different job, um, it's definitely a book to read. Um, the first, it says the first 90 days by Michael Watkins. All right, Danny. That's on my list, by the way. Um, the first 90 days is on my list. I haven't got it yet, but it's on my list of things to do. But my next book, uh, it, in a, it was on my bonus list as well for essentialism. Uh, Franziska Economy um, saved my mental health this year by re recommending that book. But it goes in conjunction and paired nicely with the, the classic uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You pair this book with essentialism and you will become such not only just general better a practitioner of what you do, but just it'll it'll aid your your mental health, your physical health, um, and the way you do you go about day to day. Um, so seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, you can see mine's all all tabbed up. I mean, I I I've read this multiple times, um, but pairing it and actually applying the the techniques in this book on on um, on first things first and uh, taking care of yourself and uh, prioritizing what you work on when you work on it and, uh, and, and the importance of the things that you work on uh, will definitely make you better at, in general, just your day to day. Does, I mean, emergency management aside, which this is great helping you do that, but just in general, work, living your life day to day on how to prioritize what it is that you do and how to take care of yourself while you're doing it. All right. So my next book um, is stories that stick and, the reason why I say this is because one of the things that we have to learn to do better um, as emergency managers is, is become storytellers. And, and, and when we go out and do public speaking um, and Soraya is specifically with your book uh, coming up and talking to the, to, to, to children about emergency preparedness um, and, and why it's important. I think if we can be better storytellers, um, we we're, we do a greater job of getting people to really listen to what we're saying. So that's why stories that stick is, is my recommendation. And it's by uh, Kendra Hall is, is who wrote this book. I mean, I feel like we're what, how many books have we done so far? <laughs> okay. Um, the other one I would recommend is the color of law um, by Richard Rothstein. Um, we, it, we were in a leadership symposium with the Naval Postgraduate Institute and talking about equity, um, inclusion, and diversity. And it was really looking at, you know, focusing on kind of how our policies have really been disadvantaged for a lot of communities. And so it talks about the new, all the redlining that happened, what that meant, um, and how it's essentially our government policies have really led to this massive disparity between the different groups within our um our country and how it's it's fat it's so fascinating because again the concept of redlining you know we thought at least i i guess naively thought a lot of it was political right and it actually isn't um there's more meaning to that why they put those um maps in place and and essentially they always talk about how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in disasters mm -hmm. um, and it's that that huge divide um between <laughs> i like it thank you um the huge divide between the rich 
and the poor and how it's so disproportional. Now, I really want to know where the research, they say the research supports it. I mean, I just, I can't, I'm not getting any richer after disasters. <laughs> Definitely getting poorer, but, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of research at it. So it's uh, research out there on it. So The Color of Law is another really great book. All right. And Eileen says we have 18 books so far. So thank you for that uh, counting for us. And thank you for keeping us on track. All right, Dan. I, I pulled a book out that I had on uh, on my uh, shelf that I'd read a couple of times uh, based on conversation you had uh, last week is Our Iceberg is Melting by John. Oh, yeah. uh, this is a great book on uh, for an emergency manager uh, to um, we see things that others don't. And then when we try and tell them, they don't believe us. So you have to show them. And then you get somebody else on your side and then they help you spread the message. And this book is great. I'm telling you how to do that. Awesome. All right. My next book right here is inevitable. Um, it's talk about technology and really gets into the idea of what technology is doing, the internet of things, and how it's really going to change our lives. And it's really changing how we do things as emergency managers. Uh, one of the conversations I've been having a lot has been like the, the, the self-driving vehicles, uh, electric vehicles, um, the, actually the reduction of vehicles in some places where people want to get into more um, um, mass transit and stuff like this. How do we do evacuations and things like this and, and how the, and how technology impacts how we communicate with people? So that's why I recommend this book. It's by Kevin Kelly, by the way. All right. Uh, are we still going? <laughs> yeah, two more books. And then we got to see what the, uh, uh, the those in the... Uh, on the voting did and then we're done okay <laughs> so um the thank you economy that's my next one uh, this is a fantastic book um i've read it a few times but a lot of it what one thing i got from this and actually if you've heard me speak on kind of how uh, on emergency notifications and how they function and work i got a lot of it from this book and how a lot of it talks about like social media how social media is so drastically changed and how our communal like neighborhood marketplace has gone from your neighboring hair salons and coffee shops to your aunt. It really, it's just gone online. The same whole concept just now gone online and how word of mouth is just so drastically changed from general, you know, face-to-face -face conversations to instantaneous. Right. So um, it's a fantastic book. I absolutely recommend it. It talks about a lot of the changes in our society that have happened over the past 10 years and how it draws a lot of those parallels between what used to be and what is now and how to then it's not so different. It's just happening in a different format. So great book. All right, Dan. All right. I'm going to go ahead and, and look um, and, and uh, refer to the um, Ian weekly uh, poll that we did for the best, the best books, uh, 10 best books. And the one that's uh, ranked number one is a paradise built in hell. The Extraordinary Communities That Arise in Disaster by Rebecca Solnit. Mm. Um, and, and that was uh, six votes we got on that, which uh, I think that I have not heard of that book, actually. So I'm going to look into that. Uh, the Big Ones uh, number came in number two by Dr. Lucy Jones. Great. It's a good book. What's number three? Number three is Upheaval, How Nations Cope with Crisis and Change by Jared Diamond. Great book. Four. Uh, warnings, uh, which uh, you had you had uh, mentioned. The next one is uh, the 10x rule by Grant Cardone. 
Um, that's a great book for business. I, I, I have looked at that book. I haven't read it all the way through, um, but that's, that's a good book. I like Grant uh, and his approach on selling. Uh, the Promotions, uh, or Premonition, I'm sorry, a pandemic uh, storybook by Michael Lewis. Next, we have The Death of Expertise, which um, we, we reviewed. Um, Essentialism, which I voted on. Todd, you did not vote on that. <laughs> Gosh, Todd. Good book. It is a very good book. I, I've already gone through it twice. Uh, that, that book is great. I can't believe it didn't rank higher. And then 2034, a novel of the next world war, Elliot Anchorman and James uh, Staridius uh, wrote that book. And then The Plague by Albert Camus. Oh, Camus. Is that, What's that? Is that, is that 10? No, there's uh, not all of them yet. And then oh. so I got three more. Uh, the Deadliest Enemy came in uh, on lower, lower on the list. Resilience uh, by Eric. I can't uh, greetings, greetings. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry if I messed his name up, which I know I did. And then in honor of the Charleston Nine, a study of change following tragedy by uh, Dr. David Griffin. Those okay. are the books that are in there. And everybody, if you guys want to see those books, uh, you can go to Facebook, to the Facebook group. Um, where we do more interactive stuff over there as well. And uh, we, well, you guys can vote next year for, for the next active. So here's my last book real quick. I just want to go over this because I think it's important. It's called The Blueprint. And it's really, again, it's about change and it's about leadership. But it's not about that. It's about how you personally can create your own leadership blueprint and, and how you can develop yourself. So it's a, it's a self uh, book on that part. Hey, everybody, we're running really, really over time. Brian's about to uh, throw darts at me through the uh, through the through the window. Um, I do apologize about that, but I think it was worth the time. And Soraya, again, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. One last time, how do people find your book? A Kids Book About Safety is on the website A Kids Book About, and we'll drop the link in the chat. Or how how do you want it to go? Yeah, it's gonna go. We'll put it in the show we'll notes so everybody can get there. We'll cool. share it. Thanks, All right, everybody. <laughs> hey everybody thank you so much for spending time with us this morning or this afternoon depending on where you are and i really do appreciate everything you do hey these books are great not only just for your bookshelf too but also if you guys are giving hanukkah starts this weekend if you're looking for a good hanukkah book uh, a gift or christmas gift uh here they are right here uh for you to go and until next time everybody please stay safe please stay healthy stay hydrated don't eat so much tomorrow and uh, we'll see you next week thank you brian Thank you, Brian. <laughs>